Hello and welcome. I am Jody Rye and this is season one of our show, We Are BC Fed Leaders, where career journeys of amazing public servants in British Columbia and other regions are shared in the hopes of inspiring dialogue, generating ideas, and enhancing learning. This podcast series, the first of its kind in the BC Federal Service, is the brainchild of Cynthia Bouchard, Dr. Judy Beck, and yours truly. The BC Federal Leaders Campaign is in full swing, and the momentum for it to be the united voice for leaders in British Columbia is gaining traction. The focus of the BC Fed Leaders Campaign launch is cultivating and sustaining a culture of continuous learning, applying systems thinking to how we do things, with the ultimate hope of creating a high-performing public service in BC. Episode 5 of this season is with Bob Chartier, a former federal public servant, now speaker, author, writer, and artisan. In this candid conversation with Bob, he shares his views and thoughts around leadership and connecting authentically with people. He shares a few stories, with the central one being around rolling up your sleeves as a leader and creating genuine human connections through what he calls the analog way. As you listen to Bob, I know you will discover some nuggets of learning as I did. And should you wish to connect with me on Twitter at HeyHumantis or at BC Fed Leaders for some dialogue on Bob's story, please do so. Happy listening and happy learning. Thank you, Bob, for being with me today and chatting about um, public service life, learning organizations, systems thinking, and your take on um, lessons learned. Um, I have to say I'm a little bit in awe. I've, I've heard of you over my, my public service career. Um, and my one reference point was this amazing toolkit that you wrote for the national management community. So um, I'm so pleased to, to be with you live and to hear your story. <laughs> well, thank you, Jody. And, and, uh, I'm just thrilled that somebody wants to sit in a, sit in a room and listen to, to my stories. Uh, I've been calling myself uh, one of the original public service elders now for the last few years. And, and I, uh, I've spent almost 50 years in the public service and written some books, as, as, as you know, the bureaucratically incorrect letters to a young public service. And I, as I get older, I'm starting to realize that there, there needs to be a place for elders in uh in our public service we we cut them loose uh you know when they, when we, we when we retire them and put them to pasture and if we bring them back it's as a consultant usually but uh i think there's another role and uh i've been actually doing some writing on how we could use elders more the first nations of course at at one level of our society we still have a, a thing about elders and then at the UN, we have the Council of Elders mm-hmm. that was started by Nelson Mandela. It was wonderful. But it's in the middle, our middle zone, that we, we call them retirees and senior citizens. And, uh, and we don't seem to understand that, that uh, knowledge transfer, uh, is that's a wonderful zone that we're kind of missing out. Absolutely. Anyways, Anyways that, that's, that's, I'm 
let's go on to some more storytelling. Yeah, well, I was just going to say as a tie-in, I love, I love the term elder, and I think that the, the concept around what's, what we, folks like myself who've been with the public service that are not elder yet, but Gen X yeah. and have been around for half my career, yeah. um, we do feel that and see that, that the knowledge is leaving and it's coming back, but still coming back in an operational mode. Right versus um, something like this, where yeah. you're sharing your learnings and your knowledge in yeah. a more storytelling and less formal way. So I'm excited to hear about your story. Well, I, I, I've got a ton of stories that I could, <laughs> you know. I, the story that I'd love to, to uh, share with you, Jody, is kind of my, one of the things that got my goat as a young public servant. I, I, um, I love the idea of of storytelling, and and I used to love listening to old guys and old ladies and all you know in my hometown who could tell stories and who who could give a talk, you know what they called a talk. Yeah. And then I got into government, and the notion of public speaking was just oh boy, that's terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the Seinfeld story, right, where Jerry Seinfeld uh, <laughs> was saying, you know. Um, that people are so afraid of, of, of public speaking that um, they, they found out that the, of the top five things they were afraid of, public speaking beat out death. <laughs> and, and so, so he says, you know, it was in, in his own Seinfeld way, people are more afraid of giving the eulogy than being in the casket. <laughs> and, and, but this fear, and so what I watched as in my public service career, I watched this fear, and I watched how executives and leaders and managers and that were were terrified to speak to their staff and so they either wouldn't do it or they did it under duress but then i don't know maybe about the 70s i'm not sure when it it happened but along came technology and it put its arm around that poor manager said i know you're scared i know (laughs) you're scared here try this and he gave them a set of slides, right? It was called overheads. So you wouldn't even know what this means. You'd look it up on the internet. But you, we had overheads, right? And then that turned into PowerPoint, right? And so pretty soon, we took the fear right out of public speaking because all you had to do is plug this thing in and read it, right? And so now there's no more fear. You know, you got everything crafted for you. You've got the Dilbert cartoon. You got the whole thing. And I didn't, you know, I reacted really badly to that. Hmm. I thought that's, we should be learning how to talk to people. That's the, 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 the learning part. Right. We should be learning how to, uh, powering through that fear and learning how to do that instead of looking for a crutch. And we took the crutch. Okay. And that sort of started the whole thing. Now, I, the story I'd like to tell is a story that when I found my way through that, yeah, uh, with the deputy minister. The, the deputy minister's name was Scott Serson. And Scott was a wonderful man. Scott, if you're listening, I still love you, man. Uh, <laughs> he, he's somewhere in Ottawa, I'm sure. And, and Scott was, became appointed deputy minister of Indian Affairs. Big organization. And, um, and so he called a conference of over 400 managers in some place in, in Quebec. And um, and I was invited. I wasn't a manager. I never became a manager, by the way. Uh, just thank the Lord for that. <laughs> I kind of dig that you weren't, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I've always been a frontline guy, even, even in this work that I do. Anyways, so I get there, and he, he decides that 
he wants me to do one of these open spaces where we put 400 managers into a conversation. And so I'm there for a couple of days of just obnoxious, horrible PowerPoint after PowerPoint after PowerPoint, and then Q's and A's and people lining up. And it was horrible. And and people were just drifting. Like they, they weren't connected. They weren't engaged in this conference at all. They were just listening to presentation after presentation after presentation. Anyways, I did this open space one morning and it just blew the thing apart. Hmm. People went, oh my God, we can get 400 people talking. You know, it was kind of crazy and fun and, 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 and really engaging. It's when I started to understand what engagement was about. Right. And it sounds like it was something new for a lot of the folks that were in the room. They'd never seen it. Uh, okay. Never seen it. I had a native leader, a woman, I forget her name now, she was from BC, who took me aside and said, you got to bring that to Indian country. And I said, oh, you guys all talk, you sit in a circle and talk. She says, no, we don't. We have PowerPoints, as, you know, as well. <laughs> right? And it was really, it was an amazing kind of thing. Anyways, that night... That night, Scott was to give his first speech as a deputy minister to these 400 people. Okay, so kind of a big deal. Big deal for him. And his little elves had been working for months preparing this speech as a PowerPoint. It was like a 30-page PowerPoint, right? Mm -hmm. And it was all dots, the eyes were dotted, and it was all really perfect. It was perfection. And anyway, so he's going to give that speech, and... We're in a room with him, and I don't know why I was there, but we're going through this thing, page one, page two, page 13, page, you know, and it, 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 we could all feel like how horrible this thing was. Mm -hmm. It was just horrible. And all details of policy, this, mm -hmm. and numbers, and, and charts, and blah, blah, blah. So he has started now. He's going through the He's presentation. going through the presentation, okay. getting ready for that night at 6 o'clock where he has to give this thing. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. This is like a dry run then. It's in real. Yeah, we're just going through his, his presentation. Okay. And he turned to me at one point, and he said, what do you think, Bob? And I said, this stinks. Inside. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> And the other, all the ADMs are going, oh, no, sir, stick. It's, it's on message. It's on point, right? Don't stick to it. And Scott is going, I, uh, what, would you, what would you do, Bob? Mm. You know, I don't know why. He, he liked me. Mm. What would you do, Bob? I said, oh, I'd throw this thing out. I, I'd give it to people. It's got good information. I'd give them the copy of it, but I wouldn't present it. What would you do then? I said, well, I don't know. And I didn't really know, A, because I didn't really know what I was talking about. <laughs> But I was fishing, right? And I fished around in my head and I said, Scott, you know what I would do? I'd tell some stories. What do you mean a story? I can't tell stories, you know. What kind of stories? And the ADMs in the room are flipping out that I'm talking about like this. But I said, well, what about the first time that you visited a reserve? What did you see? What did you hear? What, how did you feel driving through that reserve? Hmm. What about the night that the clerk of the Privy Council phoned your house and asked you to become Deputy Minister of Indigenous Affairs? What did your wife say? And I just kind of fed him a lot of this stuff, right? And uh, anyways, he went back to the PowerPoint, and we didn't know. We saw him in a little closet over there writing some stuff down. But anyways, to jump to the point, that night, our, our new Deputy Minister, Scott Serson, will address us to now and everybody claps yes and he gets up and he goes behind the podium and Jody honest to God you we could see the podium shaking he was so scared right wow. 
And he turned to the young woman on the PowerPoint. He said, don't turn it on. And we're going, oh, no. Like, <laughs> he wasn't known as a great speaker, right? But you know what? He started telling those stories about the first time he went on to a reserve. With the boat. And, and you know what? In 20 minutes, I could see tears in the eyes of those hard-bitten old managers wow. sitting out there. He had them. They would follow him off a cliff now. And you and you joked about you were kind of making it a lot, making it up as you as you went. Yeah. Now I know how important storytelling is. Yeah. And at the time, the stories that you that you were suggesting, sort of almost the coaching that you were providing yeah. to him. Yeah. Did you know that it was going to have that impact? No, not a clue. I thought. I mean, I didn't even know why I was in the room. Like I say, <laughs> I wasn't even a manager. Right. And and but he was so impressed. I guess with how the open space went that he invited me in but I, I mean I had no uh, status in there to, to change anything so I was as shocked as anybody when mm. he didn't turn that PowerPoint on but that started a, a long-term conversation in, 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 in my you know with me and, and I didn't get anywhere with it the PowerPoint still for years be, it, it's probably still being used was as your as goal to abolish PowerPoint <laughs> for all time you know it, you know it, it, I forget it right um, but it made me think that we've we there was a danger in always looking for a tech fix I'm scared or we got to have more reach, or we can't get the people in the room face to faces. We, so we're always looking for a tech solution. So I was always kind of the guy, and I didn't want to be that miserable old man who was anti-tech, right? Uh, I, I knew, and this takes me to the second story. Yeah. Okay? So uh, I wasn't anti-tech, and I still, you, you see me with my You've phone got your here. phone, I've got yeah. Phone. But, um, but I knew that there had to be more than tech. That tech wasn't going to be... It, 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 we couldn't al uh, allow it to be uh, the 100% force. And why? What, what, was, what was driving you to think that way? Well, I think I w I'm no different than anybody else. You know, I, I, I saw the kids in the cafe that are dating and both on their phones instead of looking into each other's eyes. <laughs> and I've seen... I've seen the organization where people walk around with their heads down. I'll tell you a moment that I'll never forget. I was in Scotland on a holiday, and I was in a, a, an old uh, kind of a castle type of place, and there was a convention going on, and I knew the convention. And I was standing up at this window in this beautiful building, looking down onto a gorgeous courtyard, and they let the convention out, and about 200 people flowed out into this beautiful courtyard and every one of them had their head down looking at their phone mm. not looking at the flowers not talking to each other who where did you come from not meeting anybody all for the whole break they were on their phones and so what were they missing they were missing relationships they were missing meeting an incredible human being that was maybe standing right next to them they weren't smelling the roses there was a rose garden there they were missing they 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 were missing everything that's human mm. in my opinion and i'm i'm sure that was an important message on their phone maybe or whatever but really um i don't know so that's the kind of stuff that got me thinking so uh i know i'm i'm, I'm burning up time no, here no not but, at all i'm but, curious about what what did it get you thinking <laughs> so so it got me it got me thinking that uh and i 
I, I couldn't figure it out completely, but I knew we had to find moments where we reverted back to something that was real again, right? And, and so an interesting story that happened to me was Libby, Libby Rush. Gosh, Libby, if you're listening to this, please call me. Uh, a great Royal Roads person. She was in one of my courses when I taught at Royal Roads, Libby, and was a wonderful public servant in BC. And she called me one day and she said, Bob, I'm working for the BC Assessment Authority and we got a problem. I said, what's your problem, Libby? She said, well, I, I, uh, my numbers might not be quite right, but I think she said there's something like 700 people. And uh, we, could, we used to bring a majority of them down to bed once a year to Vancouver right. and have a, a huge like, convention, or like conference, right, with all our staff. It was wonderful. But she says, we're out of money. We can't do that anymore. Right. So she said, and so what's our solution, Jody, right? Tech. So they said, Jody, or no, they didn't say Jody, they said, Libby, find a solution, right? Thinking a tech solution. So now the, all the tech people are saying, oh, we can do, we can do a webinar, mm -hmm. and we can get, all people have to do is get on their computers, and we can do this whole day in a convention in a webinar. And she said, I just want to know what you think about that. And I said, I think it sucks. I said, I've been on a webinar, and it's the most boring thing ever. And I said, but, you know, we got 700 people. I said, how many towns are we separate, you know, in BC? 17. Smithers, Prince George, you know, like all over, right? right. Okay, I said, I think I got an idea. And uh, you've heard of the Prius, right? I should call this the, the car? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I should call this <laughs> the, the Prius option, but I call it, it's, I call it the hybrid. I came up right there with the hybrid idea. I said, can you send me 17 people, one from each of those towns? And I want the most bright-eyed, young, crazy person, right? Yes, I, I could do that. She, we can afford to send 17 in. So she sends me 17 of these people into Vancouver for two days. And I teach them three gorgeous face-to-face -face engagement tools. I think the Matrix, the World Cafe, I, I forget the third one, maybe. Anyways, uh, so we designed this day. And what we did was it was 50-50, 50% tech and 50% face-to-face. Okay. So here's what would happen, Jody. It's, we started off the day with a motivational speaker. And people know I hate motivational speakers, but we had some <laughs> mountain climber. Anyways, so... The, the motivational speaker gets on, and I made them use the TED Talk model, right? Oh, okay. So, right? How long ago was this? She said, I don't know, but it, it's a while. Tw 20 I, years, maybe? No. 10? 10, okay. So, um, so anyways, uh, we, we controlled that. And so off th through the tech to the 17 communities comes this motivational speech. Now, we shut down the tech, and... The 17 facilitators that I've trained put their staff anywhere from three people to 30 into one of these face-to-face, -face, engaging with each other, discussing this, coming up with I, right? And then boom, okay, the next speaker is the deputy minister at 10 o'clock in the morning and out it goes virtually. And again, we react face-to-face. -face. Okay. She said it was brilliant. Mm -hmm. She said the whole thing. So that's kind of like, that's, that was Bob wrestling with the notion of how to not go a full tech 
solution based, right? Mm-hmm. How do we still maintain our humanity as I know you're interested in the concepts of humanity in the workplace. How do we keep the humanity in the process and still use the tech and, and modify or, or, or come to a some some sort of thing where it's fifty fifty, right? Right. So that worked. So now I'm I've gotten totally ripped in you know, in this stage of life with watching young people. It's like it's come full circle, Jody. Hmm. So I watched I watched a generation just get lost in tech. And now I'm looking out there and on my street, the music mile that I created, uh, we got a record store full of vinyl records. And it's full on a Saturday of these young people buying vinyl records. And then down the street, same street in my little village of Inglewood, is a new store called Recess. And they're selling moleskin books, uh, uh, moleskin uh, notebooks, right? The, that were Like to write in? Like journals? To write them. Oh, okay. Like they're, they're books that Ernest Hemingway used to write his notes in, right? They're beautiful, mm. moleskins and fountain pens. And these young people are writing with fountain pens and moleskin books. Mm. And then the cafe down the street was kind of going broke, and they brought in uh, board games. And thousands, you, kids are lined up now to play Scrabble and Monopoly. Instead, they said they were going to be all video. No, they're playing Scrabble in these cafes. And their microbreweries are open. So there's this kind of whole new thing about analog. Hmm. The world of analog is, is, is appealing now. There's, there's a, a generation that's saying, yeah, I'm, and I'm a tech guy, but boy, I love to play an acoustic guitar, right? right. And, and so this, this notion of analog. So now I'm starting to think, um, and I'm writing a, my new book is going to be called The Analog, you know, uh, the analog Talk. Okay. I'm, it's going to be on public speaking and how to move public speaking completely away from the digital world and get it back into the analog. The, how, do, how do we engage with people in an analog kind of way? So when you say analog, <laughs> is, it, is it bringing the human touch back? Making it real without tech at all? Like no, well, no, not even the 50-50? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, there, there is a, a, a speak, like the, the tool is going to involve a version of a TED talk. Hmm that's very disciplined and has a certain and and then it's going to move to a world cafe where you engage an audience and then it's going to come back to an interview technique that uh, Judy and I are going to be using tomorrow and so it has three parts and it, it's it, uh, it's working it's it's awesome but I'm not going to be that hardcore guy like if you want to if you need if you can prove to me that you need to use a slide or some kind of thing to show a pie chart, then fine. Right. But I would, I, I, I'm hoping that the, the tool will emphasize the rigor of you getting on the stage, rolling up your sleeves, and starting to talk to people. Okay. And just talk to them, like it's, it's a, I want you to have a conversation with the audience, not a present. The word I think we gotta get rid of is presentation. Hmm. Presentation is like, I'm presenting to you some, these words. Conversation. In, in, in the 1950s and 60s, when I was a young boy, these old men would come to our town and they would give a talk. And they would sit on a stool. And they would, they would just give a talk. 
And it was wonderful. Hmm. It was human. It was real. And it wasn't polished, and it wasn't a presentation. So <clears throat> I would like to work again with, with managers and, and leaders on how they can start to bring back that kind of analog presence into their work. Right. And if you need the tech, then by all means, God bless you, go with the tech. If you really have a business need for it. But if you don't have a business need for it, then you should be talking to your people in a deeper a deeper way. When you bring 200 staff in a room, I want you to really talk to them about why this is important. Not give them a presentation on this new policy, but stand in front of them and tell them why this is critical for our work as public service this year, right? Very cool. And your book is, it sounds like, is gonna provide, um, you know, background in terms of the why, you know, why analog or the, the reasoning and the intent behind it, as right. well as an actual sort of guideline of sorts uh, to I, I, help help managers and or really all public servants yeah. um, that are wanting to be more in dialogue and in conversation versus yeah. in presentation mode. When you have to go into that moment, that terrifying moment, and I go right back to the first story, right? Mm -hmm. That terrifying, him shaking it. When you have to stand in front of a room, even when there's only 10 people in that room or a thousand, you're going to shake. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I hope this book is going to help you it won't stop the shaking, but it's going to challenge you to get through the shaking and do it right and, and get your skills up about how to, how to give a talk and how to use that, that to move people rather than default to the tech side that's going to make you feel comfortable but isn't going to have the engaging impact that I think you, you might want to have. Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful way to sort of think about the, the, what's the end result that you're looking for in this dialogue and in this moment with the people that you're with. Um, and that pushing yourself out of the comfort zone and not having the crutch, if that's what they think the yeah. tech is for them, what that might do for them. And so I have that question for you. What will it do for them if they're able to be more in conversation? Oh, in man. presentation it, mode. It'll, it'll change their lives as leaders. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're in big danger of a lot of leaders and, and, and people spending so much time on the disconnected on the screen. They think they're connected because maybe they're communicating with 1,500 people, you know, through this message. Right. But it's, it's um, when you and I talked earlier, we, we, I, I said, you know, leadership... Analog leadership, my book's called Handcrafted Leadership. I'm a potter. When I make a pot, my hands get dirty. Mm -hmm. And when you lead, your hands have to get dirty. Yeah. You, go, you know, you can't sit in the clean, clean tech room of, of, of screen. That there's a cleanliness there that isn't necessarily always the best. And I said to you, you know, if there's a woman or a young man over in, in a cubicle, and they're kind of sobbing, right? They're crying. Mm -hmm. And as a manager or as a person in the room, you, you know, if you send a little email to your, what's the matter with Martha this morning? That's not, that's not, that's not analog. That's right. not getting, getting your hands dirty and a real leadership is walking over there right now and putting your hand out to that person saying, how can I help? Right. Right. That's real, and what's going to happen to you and that person after you do that is way different than sending an email. 
Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of a book my, my children read when they were in kindergarten, which was um, How to Fill Your Bucket, I think was the name of the book. And it talked about each one of us having a bucket. And when you do things in terms of reaching out, uh, being kind, showing empathy, yeah. your bucket is filled, yeah. as is the other person's. That's right. And so it sounds like what you're saying is that it, the technology almost serves as a wall between that connection that can exist yeah. if we become more analog. You, exactly. And I want to be really clear, and I think you, you, you're already knowing me well enough to know that I'm not anti-tech. And it's going to be a big part of our life. But if we're looking to social media and everything as the solutions to all our problems, I, I think we've we're, we got to be really careful. And, mm-hmm. we gotta, and just like that little 18-year-old going into the record store and buying a vinyl album, uh, I think we need, you know, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to walk over to our colleague and say, how's it going, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and th- that's... That's me finding my way back in and, and in, into the public sector. Um, if, if I had a dream for the public sector, it would, it would have this crazy bunch of youngsters who want to find a, the analog in today, right? <laughs> well, as I'm well just... as the tech. Because the young people are being sold on. It's all about the tech I find today, yeah. the hot new thing, right? And I'm just saying, that's great. But boy, wouldn't it be fun to find the vinyl album today? Yeah, absolutely. And I, lo- I love the metaphor around that. And I think it's not even just the young. I think it's all, yeah. all of us working in an environment where yeah. tech is, is big. It is. You know, it's big. And I think it, I'm looking forward to reading your book um, <laughs> and, and yeah. seeing the more human touch coming back into play when it comes to how we work. And you'll have to know that that book will be written like Margaret Atwood. I, I, write, I still write on a yellow pad, a yellow legal pad in pen, and I have to then struggle to put it on a computer. But, but yeah, you know, I find the creativity comes out of my fingers throwing a piece of pottery, but it also, when I'm writing, I find it flows out of my body a lot better. Uh, when, when it's it pen to paper. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's, beautiful. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited that that's just not an old guy talking anymore. It's not just your that old elder talking. Actually, young people are feeling the same thing. They They're, really are. I have yeah. to say they really yeah. are. Regardless of the tech being available to, to us or all of yeah. us in terms of blog posts as an example, um, I know a few folks that highly recommend pen to paper yeah. when you draft. Yeah. And I just want to say that a woman that I'm going to be working with in the next two days, Judy Beck, what a what a great leader she is, and and um, when we were communicating about me coming out here mm-hmm. to BC, and I had just gone through uh, you know burying my mother right, she she died of old age, and and it, it, it's okay, but I I just casually mentioned that I was just at my mom's funeral to Judy, and I was kind of surprised I I didn't get uh, kind of a note back an email back saying well I'm sorry to hear about your mother, and I thought okay. Five days later, a card comes in the mail, handwritten. Says, "I'm sorry about your loss, Bob." And you know, Judy. My heart just soared. Here is a, a leader in our public service that says this is an important moment where I need to do something in the analog way. Kind of emotional. I haven't told that story. Yeah, Judy. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing it, and I'm glad it came up spontaneously. Yeah. Um, my connection with Judy has just started, and I, um, uh, she has extended empathy in, in a similar way for me and something that's happened yeah. in my life. So um, it, it's very her, <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I really dig it. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's exciting to know that there's somebody out there practicing this, right, mm-hmm. who, who obviously believes in it as well as you. And I'm just excited to meet you. You, you know, you're a, a new generation of public servant. You're working as a free agent. I can't believe <laughs> what I struggled with. When I worked 25 years in, out of my house in the federal government, but I didn't have that blessing that obviously they're, they're giving to young people like you. And you are going to make huge differences. You're, at a, you're in the leverage point, hmm. right? You don't have to do things the way it always has to be done. That's the plan. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be watching you. And, and thank you. I want to thank you for um, the respect that you've shown me, that respect as an elder by saying, tell me your story. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I meant it. Thank you so much for your time.